Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Yeah, that's a powerful story. That happened about uh, two and a half years ago um, at our house, and um, we've got the, the blessing of having Anthony in our home, and we, uh, every day, we're, 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 we've got our foot on the throttle, and we're, we're raising a, another young man in our house that we never expected to land at our doorstep, and um, he's doing great. He just graduated from high school. He... Uh, Last year, he played football. He decided he wanted to play football, and he, um, he was, uh, what was he, ninth in the state uh, for tackles out of all divisions. So you just, you just don't mess with these foster kids, you know? Um, he, get them out of the, he said, I just want to hit somebody, and I said, that's the place to do it. So uh, he, he's doing really well. He just landed a job. He decided, you know what, I, I don't want to go into college. I want, to, I want to get it right into the workforce, and so he's working at a surface mine right now and he's making good money and we're teaching him how to uh, manage his money and be a good steward of it and manage his time. I mean, the kid's getting up at 4.30 every morning on his own at 18 years old. I could not do that at yeah. eight, yeah. So he's getting up and he's working and um, yeah, it's pretty powerful. So teaching him how to uh, walk the walk, how to talk the talk. And, 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 and purity and what we're having the, the sex talks, we're having the relationship talks, we're, we're just diving in, we're being a parent to this kid. We never expected this to happen, but it happened and, and here we are. So we've got, a, we've got a new member to the family, it's been awesome. So um, a little bit about my story, my name's Steve Finn, I am the executive director of a children's home called Chestnut Mountain Ranch. It's my lovely wife Dawn over here. Uh, she and I have, uh, we've, we've got quite a story. We've, we, God has taken us through quite a journey since the, um, uh, she said I do, and I'm not sure she said I would have done if she would have seen the, 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 what was coming, but uh, we've, had, we've had kind of a, a fun journey together that, uh, um, that neither one of us regret. And it's, it, you know, it started uh, about 20 years ago. We, when I was an officer in Atlanta and we decided that God was stirring something deeper within us. And, you know, and we, we weren't really sure what that was, but I can remember being in a church service in Atlanta and, and there was a powerful Sunday where, man, there was just something, God was just calling us up to the, up to the front and, and, and something happened that Sunday. You know, I, I think I often look back and I think my, I say my nets are still up there at the front of that stage. You know, it was, like, it was a time where I laid my nets down and I, 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 we, we both, we hit another gear as to what it meant to be a follower, like what it meant to serve others, what it meant. And so we were, we were, we were really searching during that time. And we landed, we landed, uh, I went from being a cop to, uh, being a house parent at a children's home. And, and that's where Dawn and I began to learn to dive into the messiness of others. So we served for three years as house parents and then we went on to become the directors of a children's home here in West Virginia. But let me give you a little bit of the backstory so you can kind of understand the context of where I'm landing. So I was born here in West Virginia um, my, uh, I had a great childhood. Uh, my father, mother loved it. I had a stable home. My father got two degrees from WVU. Uh, he was a good provider. Sunday mornings was not the day that he went to church. He, he held back. He changed the oil on the car. He cut the grass. Um, those were the man duties. The, 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 the wife's duties were to take the kids to church. And that's how I was, I was confused. I was, I was watching this thing play out as I'm growing up and, and so, at 11, when I was 11 years old, um, uh, my father, there was a shift that took place in his life. There was something that happened that caused him to start chasing the scriptures. He got cancer, and, 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 it, and, it, and for the next two years, it just started whittling uh, his physical body away. 
And I watched a man, a mountain of a man, just go from the strength in my life and, and just his, 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 his uh, physical well-being was just being taken from him. But I also saw somebody that was starting to dive into the scriptures and he began pointing me to Christ in ways that he never had before. He began pulling me beside his bedside when he was sick and say, son, let me show you what I've read today. Let me show you the scriptures I've read today. Let me show you what I discovered today because he was discovering stuff all the time. And, and, and then one day he said, um, I was 13 years old. This was two years into this, this painful journey. And he said, I'm ready to get baptized and, 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 and I want you to do it with me. Are you ready to get, and I said, I am. I am, dad, let's do this together. So that was, that was the last father and son event that I did with my dad. We got baptized one night. Uh, they had to open the church up really late at night because my dad did not want to wait. He said, it's time, you know, and he called the pastor and we, 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 we went there. And it took three men to baptize him because he was so weak. And that I can remember watching him go under the water and come out and I thought, okay, God, this, he did it. This is it. He's going to get healed. I mean, he has been obedient. He's a follower of, he's a child of God. Um, this is it. You're going to heal him. And with well, less than two weeks later, he passed. And so I had this really awesome event with my father, but at the same time, I was confused. I was 13 years old and I was confused. I was like, what just happened? Like, what, why God, why did you take him? And I went into my teen years a little bitter and I began to drift and my mom had to find work and we had to sell the house and we had to get rid of the toys and everything changed. We moved to Atlanta, Georgia and I kind of became this latchkey kid. I was, I, was, um, I was just into stuff I shouldn't have been. I got out of the house when I was 17 years old. I moved out. My mom said, you know, son, I, I loved you back then, but I didn't like you very much. And uh, we can laugh about it now, but you know, back then it was, it was, uh, it was not a fun season. And so I, I finished out high school on my own. I had my own apartment, worked at McDonald's full-time, paid rent. I mean, who, who does that? It, was, it seemed normal at the time, but it was crazy. And so, uh, and somehow I got into college, you know? And so I remember getting, uh, I was at the University of Georgia, I was 20 years old and, and I, I hit my knees one night and I said, Lord, what am I doing? I'm not pleasing my heavenly father. I'm not pleasing my earthly father. Should he still be here? And God just did, man, he just broke me that night. And I remember pulling this Bible out that, and I dusted it off and I cracked it open. And I understood John 3.16. I understood salvation, but I didn't understand much beyond that. I was, I was still a babe, man. I was just, I never got into meat, never got a, had a steak. Uh, I was still... Just, just at the milk stage of life. And I said, God, I, I, under, I need to know more. I need to know what's beyond this. And, and I landed in Ephesians 2, and it talks about how we're created for good works, that God created in advance for us. It might, like he went in, he knows our skills. He knows our purpose. And I said, what is that, Lord? What do, what do I, what's my Ephesians 2? Where do, I, where do I fit into your story? And I said, Lord, I'm gonna chase you, but I need you to bring men into my life. I need you to bring, I need to bring, I've never had a mentor, I've never had a father. I need you to bring that into my life because I'm, I've, I've got this big void in my spirit and I don't know what the next step is. So I, I got plugged into church, I got plugged into some small groups. I began leaning into uh, time with other Christian men and, and, and there was this, this growth track that began to take place in my life and, and it felt really good. Uh, like God was filling in these, 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 these gaps in the storyline that I'd been searching for this whole time. And I began to understand like what it meant to have conviction, what it meant to have, um, you know, conviction in our lives is something that, it's, it's, it's deeper than just a feeling or a, a flutter or something that feels good on a Sunday. It's something that just kind of penetrates deep and it keeps, you, it keeps your attention. It keeps you awake at night. It's something that just, that, that really zaps you where you, it, it's something that, um, that grabs your heart and soul. And this conviction to go deeper began to stir within me and, um, and then I became, uh, I became a police officer. I can remember, um, 
feeling like God was calling me into to law enforcement. I put my application in, I got hired. Uh, so I'm this young 21-year-old cop. Not, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a clue in life. Uh, I was so, uh, what they say is green. I just did not understand. I wasn't very, wasn't very um, uh, knowledgeable of the world and knowledgeable of racial tensions in the South. You know, all these things I just learned as I went. But God threw me into that, into that world and, and it was powerful. I mean, and it was, it was a training camp from day one. One of my very first arrests I can remember, um, there was this, it was, it was in the middle of the night, there was this young man. Uh, I was on midnight shift because that's where they put all the new guys. And so I'm, I'm and I'm seeing, there was, a, there was a full parking lot full of cars and I could see somebody kind of, a figure dark going in and out and I heard a window break and, you know, and I sneaking in, I'm calling on the radio, radio got to, you know, entering auto in progress and there's a foot chase and, and I, I chase this, this guy down, tackle him, get him handcuffed, roll him over and I'm looking at this young 15 year old in the face. I thought, well, that, that kind of shocked me, you know, I thought it was gonna be an older guy. <laughs> And so it's a school night. What's he doing out, you know? And so I uh, take him back to the station. We're doing the paperwork. And I said, okay, you know, let me get your name and number. Let, let's, uh, let me call your father. And he said, well, I don't know who he is. I said, well, let me call your, your mother. She needs to come pick you up. And he said, I haven't seen her. She's in jail. I haven't seen her in years. Living with my grandmother. Okay, let's call your grandmother. Well, we don't have a phone. My goodness gracious, kid. So... Um, I said, all right, well, we finished the paperwork and with juveniles, you take them back to their families. Uh, you release them, unless it's a heinous crime. But this, what, that didn't rise to the level. So I take this kid back into this government housing project. I, I go up, I knock on this old screen door and this elderly lady comes to the door, probably woke her up and she just opens the door. She says, get in. The kid walks in, she shuts the door in my face. And I'm thinking, what, what, what just happened here? You know, she didn't even say, say anything. What happened? So I knock on the door. I said, ma'am, don't you want to know uh, what happened? And she goes, I don't, I, don't, I don't care. And she shut the door again. And so I, I kind of walked away from that. And I'm going into my off days. And I'm, you know, my off days are coming up. And, and something was stirring. Like this, this, this feeling of conviction to do something began to stir within me. And I didn't even know what it was at the time. I'm 21 years old. No one ever taught me about mentoring or leadership or, 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 or speaking in the lives of others. But I, I was, it was causing me to lay in bed at night and just think, this kid doesn't have a chance. Like, this, nobody, nobody's in this kid's life. And, um, and, and it was, it was some, of those early, some of those early moments like that that prepared me and equipped me for where we're at today with these kids. And... And so <laughs> my off days came around and I decided, okay, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do something. Uh, nobody else is gonna do anything. Uh, so I was, I was poor, lived in a little apartment, a little one bedroom uh, trailer apartment that I, I was telling Dawn the other night, I can remember like mice running across my face in the middle of the night. It was like one of these really cheap apartments. And uh, I had, a, I had a 72 Volkswagen van that was bright orange and I drove into that neighborhood on my off day and I remember I knocked on the door and the kid was home and he came and he's kind of looking at me and I said, hey, I'm the guy who arrested you the other night and he's like, uh-huh. And I said, um, yeah, I was just wondering if you wanted to go out and get some ice cream and he's, you know, just looking at me like I'm crazy. And he said, okay. And I thought, wow, I didn't expect that. So now what do I do with this? So I uh, took the kid out for some ice cream. We talked and, and, and over time um, and the weeks that followed, I'd, I'd pick him up for a burger or then eventually he was like, we went and, and he was cutting grass with me and I paid him some money. It, but we'd have these conversations because he began to trust me and people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And we began to build this relationship and, and seeds were planted. So what I came away with from that moment was, man, it doesn't take much to reach the hearts of these kids. It really doesn't. There's so many lost kids out there. There's so many broken families. There's kids that are turning to crime, turning to decisions that they shouldn't make on a Friday night. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's killing our country. 
And I, and, I, and I saw it time and time again. I saw the, just the, the fabric of our society just being broken away and, and this fatherlessness and now these, these kids that have no parents are being, I mean, since I've moved here, like when we moved here uh, 17 years ago, I think we were at, um, let me get these stats right in my head, but I think we were right around uh, 18,000 kids in West Virginia were being raised by their grandparents. Uh, that means neither parent are in the picture, okay? So fast forward 17 years, and I saw a stat come out last year that 43,000 kids now are being raised by their grandparents. Um, and they may even be higher than that now. So it's like, it's over doubled in the short amount of time we've moved here. And those are a lot of kids without their families. That's a lot of kids that are just needing somebody to pay attention to them and say, hey, you're worth something. You've got an Ephesians 2 moment in your life. Let's spend some time together. So as I, grew, as I, I, I began to walk in my faith, um, I, I began to search the scriptures, you know, because just like my father did when he was sick, but I, I landed in, like, I was like thinking, okay, God, what's, where, where am I gonna take this? Like, what's this Christian walk look like? And, and I, one of the most powerful passages of, of, of the, the gospels Jesus is asked the question, hey, what's the greatest command? And he answers him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these commands. So I started really wrestling with like, okay, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? And I learned that that, that that conviction that I was just talking about, there needs, you need, we need to have that conviction for these scriptures right here. We need to apply that. When we understand what that means to love the Lord your God with all your soul and all your heart and all your mind, like all these other things, parenting, being a good husband, being a good wife, um, being a good son and daughter, like when we get this right, all these other things become right. And so this should be our conviction. This should be our daily prayer to figure that out. Okay, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want to teach me today? Where should I go today? What should I speak today? Who should I talk to today? How should I love you today? You know, when I, when I, was, when I was a police officer, I used to get, before I started every shift, I had, we had take-home cars and I would get down on my knees in my driveway uh, next to my patrol car before I opened that door and stepped into it. And I'd say, Lord, give, just give me one tonight. Just give me one. And um, that would often come in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it would be somebody I was helping pulling out of a wreck or it might be somebody that I just had a conversation with on the way to the county jail. But God usually gave me one. And, and I usually, it usually hit me when I didn't even expect it. But that's where we start. We just say, God, start your days with that. Start your days with that. God, just give me somebody at work. Give me somebody in my family. Give me somebody to reach out to. Um, your first conviction as a believer is to bring the scripture to heart. It's about being all in, and this is not a casual relationship. This is about embracing God's command and building a daily conviction to make this your foundation in life. Your life will be transformed when you align your convictions with God's desire for your life. About a year ago, I was, I was speaking here, and I had the opportunity to share a lot of uh, what I've spoken on today about my story, about where God has taken me. Um, and there was, there, was, there was a couple here and that was sitting here that they were stirred to the heart. And, and something happened that day. And it was, it was the, the timing of it was perfect because we, uh, we needed house parents. Now, remember I told you Dawn and I were house parents at Eagle Ranch and it changed our lives. It, like, it, it just threw us into another gear when we were, we, we, we saw a program that worked and we saw God working in the hearts of these young men and under our own roof and we saw families being restored and we saw kids getting baptized and we saw just wonderful things happening. We saw generational curses being broken. And, I, and that's, when we, that's when we started this what if conversation. Like, what if we took this somewhere else? What if we took this in the country 
somewhere where the need was the highest. And, and we, we landed through prayer and petition, we landed back in West Virginia. But a year ago, uh, there was a couple here in the church that, man, God just, God hit them like a lightning bolt. And uh, Malin and Kayla, if you guys would come up. Uh, we had, uh, yeah, we've got, we've got, uh, we have got an awesome couple at the, I mean, these, this couple's not, just doing so, so many good things. I, I love driving by their house in the evening because I usually see them sitting out on the front porch with the boy. The boy's got his head down, he's rocking, and I know what's going on. It's frontline ministry going on. And, and uh, these two are, are, one of them is out there uh, engaged. They're in the trenches and they're, you know, I don't know what happened, but I know that something's going on. I know that's where, that's where, that's where it happens. A kid gets in trouble. Hey, can you take a break on the front porch? And then they, they go out there and they dig into they dig into the messiness, and that's what this is about. It's about stepping into the messiness of other people and, and, and meeting them at where they're broken. So thank you guys for joining me up on stage. Um, thank you, kiddos, too. Uh, they got two awesome kids. They're, they're right there with them. And uh, it is a journey. Like, like Dawn and I, we had uh, our two, when we were house parents, we had our two little ones. Now we have four, but so... Right. Uh, <laughs> so um, give everybody a snapshot of like what happened last year. Okay, so the beginning of 2021, um, Center Branch, we, as a family, as a church family, we do uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, and it was in that moment that Malin started to really feel like we need to do more. We need to do more for, you know, building the kingdom, and um, God was really laying um, children's ministry on my heart. Uh, we, we took every opportunity then to pray about it, um, to, to serve here at the church. I said one, at some point in time, I was doing puppets, and I said, I, I don't think that God's plan for me is to be a puppeteer. I was not very good, but it was God's way of softening my heart towards children, towards families, um, so we just kept, we just kept serving. We just kept praying about it. Um, and then Steve came and spoke in August of last year. And I can just remember just my heart just breaking as we were watching the videos, as we were listening to him speak. And, um, I'm of the two of us, I'm the one that always comes up with the crazy ideas and Malin keeps me grounded and is my, no, 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 no. So the whole time during service is how am I going to to tell him that I feel like we need to check this place out. Um, so right before we left, I, or stood up, I just kinda put my hand on his leg and I said, um, I think you need to take a few days off during serve week and we need to go check this place out. And he said, I think, I think you're right. So it was kind of our first confirmation there that you know we were both being led, led to the ranch and to just dig deeper and figure out some more things about the ranch. So went through that, the hiring process. Every time we'd started the ranch, even for our boys, at first when we were kind of telling them like what was going on, what we thought might be happening, they were just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, you want us to sell our house? Like, like it's just, you know, we'll, we're not, we're just gonna remain in a neutral position. Like, we're gonna say yes if God says yes, and if he says no, we're gonna be okay with that. Um, but every time we would make another trip up to the ranch, um, we just felt peace, like just a peace that surpasses all understanding. And even when we got hired, um, you know, it was a huge step. We had to, we, we sold our house. We, um, Malin quit his job of 10 years where he had really good benefits. And um, that was where he went to school to do that job. So, um, but the whole time though, we just had just that peace that surpasses understanding. We were okay. Like our families thought we were crazy, you know, like you're doing what, you know, but yeah, it was just, we were okay with it. Like it was, God protected us in that way. Yeah, I can remember too, my, our families were, when we joined, we became house parents. Uh, they thought we were like joining the David Koresh compound. And, um, and what are you guys doing? How are you gonna get your kids medical help? Uh, so a puppeteer, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, uh, 
I'm thinking some type of uh, activity with the boys. You, know. you, you still got your gear? We have a couple puppets. Okay, all right, all right. She was good. Yeah, I bet. So tell, tell everybody um, maybe one story or how, you, how have you seen God work? Because being a house parent, I know it's exhausting. I know you're out on the porch late. I did it. I did it, I did it for three years, and uh, I think it set the stage for where we're at today because I understand I can empathize more than sympathize because we've been there. And I can also... Um, I just saw God working in those years. And it, 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 um, it's a powerful place to be when you're on the front lines of ministry like that. But share, share a frontline story with the, with the, with the church today. Um, a couple months ago, uh, we had a new boy at the, at the home and um, he was much different than the rest. And I mean, they're all got their own personality and... Um, he decided one night, he was, we were out on the porch and uh, he was on break and we were at the dinner table and uh, went to check on him and he's gone. Um, he just decided he needed to go for a walk and um, uh, we found, yeah, it was half hour or so, get him back to the house and he's just, he explains that he's not sure what to do with kindness or grace. Like um, when he messes up, we just have a conversation. We bring him back in to the group when he's ready. And um, he's used to just being disciplined and yelled at. So um, time and time again, when that happens, he's waiting for someone to yell at him or waiting for a big discipline action. And it's not coming. He's not sure what, how to handle it. Um, and then fast forward to um, this past week, he gets frustrated at school and... Um, he walks to the house, sits on the porch, and it's like, okay. He, he went from taking off, he didn't want to be at the ranch at all, to um, he said he felt comfortable to, to come and sit on the porch and um, just work out all the things that were going through his mind and, um, and to say that he thinks of the faith home as like his second home. Um, in just a few months, like that's where God has softened his heart towards us and towards the ranch, and um, that just speaks volumes to the staff and um, that he doesn't run for the, he doesn't want to take off and, and try and walk to his house. He's, he just, I'm just going to go to the faith home, sit on the porch and uh, we can talk through it. And um, it's just, it's encouraging to us just to see the Lord work um, and softening their hearts towards us and towards um, just to where they'll, um, in devotions in the morning, we do devotions every morning and um, you'll see boys, that have, they'll come down, put their heads down for devotions. They don't want to hear it. Um, after a month or two months, they're asking questions and they wanna, they're trying to answer questions and they, they wanna know more about what, what we're talking about, devotions, and, um, or they wanna take notes at church, they wanna listen to a worship song in the van. Like all those little wins are just huge for like just encouraging us. Like that's all it takes. We're in the van, it's like, hey, can you play that song from Sunday? It's like, yeah, we can. Like, and they sing to it and it's like, it's it's beautiful, yeah. From they stop arguing and they want to sing a praise and worship song, and it's like that's that's huge. And it's just for us to stay calm and like wink at each other, like hey, that's a win right there. Like that's what we've been waiting for. So um, yeah, from big things to all the little wins that you don't want to over overlook. So yeah, I. Um... I didn't know you were going to share that story, but I, I, I think I remember. Wasn't I driving out of the ranch yep. that night? And he was. Yeah, we were all down at the gate. We were down at the gate. So he made it about a mile mm -hmm. through the woods, and he was covered in briars, and it had rained, and he was wet and muddy. Yeah, he rolled his ankle, and he refused to use the roads until he got to the gate. So he, walked, he went through the woods. and Yeah, he was Rambo. <laughs> he was he Rambo, yeah. He was Rambo, yeah. And, so, and then he was exhausted. Yeah, he was beaten by the time he got to the gate. <laughs> yeah. And he was ready to go home and get a shower and a hot yeah. meal. Yeah. Yeah. But that and, was, and, and that was a win. Yeah. And that's a win. That was just a beautiful thing that like when he was at his, at the end of his will for what he was trying to do, that he just stopped at the gate and was just like, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, let's talk about it now. So, um, yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, if there's somebody out here that's just being stirred to like kind of 
get into ministry. Yeah. Um, you guys share maybe just how it's impacted your life or maybe an encouraging word. Okay. Um, I would just say that you're never going to feel prepared for it. Um, you're never going to feel ready. Um, like if you're waiting until a list of things gets accomplished and then you'll do it, it'll never happen. Um, and when God calls on you um, and you feel that conviction or you feel like, um, like you're ready to hit another gear, that's when you really start looking and, and just keep an open mind for anything that's out there because it's not gonna make sense to your flesh. It's not gonna make sense to your mind. Um, and just to seek counsel from somebody who um, can speak biblical truth into your life. Um, and it may not be your parents. It may not be your best friend because um, they're gonna be looking out for earthly things, like your best interests and not what God has for you. So, Thank you guys. Yeah. I appreciate it. You guys are doing a great job. They are really doing a good job. Love it. Um, I, I see a lot of their, our journey and their journey. And um, who knows, you might be starting a home one day. You never know where God's gonna take this season, you know. You just don't know. Uh, I, you know, as I, as I look at their, their journey and I, I uh, it, it reminds me of, there's, there's this, there's this, there's, there's a story and uh, this event that's captured in Mark 10 where James and John come up and, and they're asking Jesus, uh, hey, can you do something for us? And he says, what, what do you need? It's kind of a funny dialogue, actually. And he, he said, well, can you tell us, can you make sure that we're gonna be um, on the right and left of you in eternity? And he goes, all right, guys, time out. Um, this, is, this, is not, this is not what it's about. And so then he goes into what it's about. And, and so this is captured in, in, in his, uh, his instructions to him. I'm just capturing a little bit, but he says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What Jesus is talking about there is, is service, just service to others, service um, to the least of these. There, there, are, there are people groups all through our community that need to be served whether it's, it's boys, whether it's girls, whether it's elderly, whether it's, it's uh, infants, whether it's uh, the orphan and the widow, um, the unborn. God puts, God puts people groups on our heart. He does, he stirs our heart. My sister, uh, she lives in Virginia and she loves going into the, these assisted living homes. She's an artist. She, she paints all these uh, pretty pictures of shrimp boats coming in out of the Chesapeake Bay and she's got her own art gallery, but she goes in and that's her gift. That's her Ephesians too. She goes into these and she sets up these easels and these little ladies, mostly ladies, guys, we don't usually make it there, uh, these ladies get over there and, and she teaches them how to paint a flower. And then somewhere in that, she teaches them a little scripture and, and they just love the attention. They love that somebody came in and gave them a ray of hope and a, a ray of scripture and, and just a message. And, and that's her connecting point. That's the way she can connect with these people. Um, but God stirs us, you know, God, God stirs us. Who are we gonna serve? Who are we gonna serve? Who, 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 what has God put on your heart? And I would encourage you as, you as you go out, I would encourage you to pray about that. Pray about it at your, your dinner table. Pray about it as you lay your head down at night. Pray about it with your spouse. Talk about, like have these what if conversations and, and just start somewhere. This what if conversation, before we even moved uh, into, before I hung the badge up and became a house parent at uh, a children's home, Dawn and I were what-ifing this conversation for probably over a year. 
And then God just, he hit us one day right between the eyes and we went to visit uh, Eagle Ranch and it was it. It was like we knew that was where we were supposed to be. We knew we were supposed to be house parents there. We couldn't sleep. God, would, God just, he, he hit another gear in, the, in our stirring. So we begin, um, you know, filling out the application and actually taking these steps of faith. And I love police work. I loved where, where God had me. Man, it was a, it was a great career. Um, I got to do a lot of fun and exciting things. I loved the guys I worked with. Um, you know, at one point I looked like the guitarist back here. And, uh, and I got to run around and uh, uh, buy drugs out of an old pickup truck. And No, I'm just kidding. I didn't look that good. I'm not sure where he's at. So, um, but I did have long hair and a beard for a while. And I, I uh, did buy drugs and chase down bad guys. But God just took, he took all those years and he, and he stirred us for something more. And the, but these what if conversations, that's what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter if you're young or you're, you're, you're 90 years old, and you can saddle up and jump into somewhere where God's stirring you. And it might be just a prayer life. There was a little old Jewish lady that was a born-again Christian uh, living up in Northeast Ohio, and she used to write me these really annoying notes when I was a teenager and going through all that stuff, and I thought, oh, here's another. Her name was Vi, V-I, V-I Getsy. And Vi Getsy, he was a prayer warrior, and she couldn't get out of her apartment, but man, she was on her knees, and she used to write me these little prayer notes all through my teen years, and I thought, I wish I, could, I, wish I had held on to those. Um, you know, at the time, they were annoying as a teenager, but I can look back now, and I know, man, she prayed me through some, some big disasters. Um, I could have landed in the back of a cop car a thousand times, and God just saved me from myself and my own stupid decisions to prepare me for where we're at today. But man, everybody's got their, everybody's got skills and gifts. Pray about it. Pray about where God wants you to serve. I want to read this Fox report to you. Uh, This came out in Fox News recently, and and it really grabbed my attention. It was called, America's Crisis is the Lack of Fathers. It says, 18.5 million children grow up without a father. 25% 25% are fatherless. Now, wait a minute. I, I, I hit the brakes on that. I'm reading through this article the other day, and I said, yeah, there's no way. 25% of all kids. And so I, I did some research. I mean, Google it. Google fatherless children in America. I found some stats that said it was up to 31%. Uh, that's just astounding to me. I mean, the, these children are not, um, there's so many children out there that, that, that like myself, where something's missing, and the effects of this ripples through every fabric of our society. 85% of children with behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 70% of adolescent patients with, in drug and alcohol rehab facilities originated from a fatherless home. Majority of fatherless children struggle to gain a foothold in life and they are five times more likely to live in poverty and they're nine times more likely to drop out of school. 90% of all homeless kids, runaway kids, 90% are from fatherless homes. So it kind of gives you a, a picture of man, the impact of being a father to the fatherless can have on a child can change their whole story. And I was right on the threshold of one of these statistics growing up. I was a fatherless kid, not by my father's choice, but it's the way it played out. And these kids, the kids that we serve, the kids that Malin and Kayla serve, they don't ask for the situations they're in. They didn't ask to come to the ranch. They didn't ask to be there. But they're there. And we tell them, man, it's, 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 it's a, it, it stinks that you're here, but something happened in your past, something happened in your journey that caused you to be here. And yeah, these kids act out and they get in trouble and they've landed in front of a judge or they've gotten kicked out of school. But if you look at the whole picture, there's something going on generationally here that needs to be fleshed out. And there's a generational curse that needs to be addressed. And there's something there that we've got to dive deep into. And it takes time and it takes patience and it takes love. James 1.27 is 
is a command on all our lives. It says, pure religion is this, to look after the widow and orphan in their distress. And, and what a powerful little snapshot of where we should be. Like if you can't find a people group, land in James 1.27, because there are a lot of orphans out there. And West Virginia has the highest per capita in the nation. One of the, one of the most, I, I, don't get, I, don't, I don't get a payday very often, but in the last service, a guy came up to me uh, with his eyes welled up and he said, I gotta tell you, big guy, he said, I gotta tell you, um, you spoke here last year and, and something, we hit another gear. My wife and I hit another gear. He said, we went home, we prayed about it, and we decided to jump in. We became, we, we did the online. He goes, we got licensed as foster parents. And he goes, let me show you my kids. And he pulled his phone out. And uh, he said, none of this. He goes, it just, God just, just drilled in us about a year ago. And he goes, we're raising these, we're raising these two. And we're, we're fighting to adopt them right now. And um, man, what a, that, that's payday for me. And that's awesome. That's awesome. To see, to see, to see God, um, Taking somebody and just hitting that another that that, that next gear, I uh, I try to launch my children well. I, I I we we have our kids for 18 years. You know we've got to pour the gospel into them. Kids, you're going to have the gospel poured into you. You're going to be a, you're living in ministry right now. You're going to see things that um, most kids don't see. I can remember my little girl. How old was Abby when that happened? When she was praying over. Um, She's three years old. So there was a boy in our house that uh, when we were house parents that he, his father was gone. He was dead. He, was over, he had overdosed in the past. Um, mother wasn't in the picture. His brother was raising him. He had an older brother that was like the, the guardian. Well, his brother made the wise decision to rob a bank and got caught. And so uh, this kid's name was Jordan and he was... Everybody was gone now. Like, where's he gonna land? And so he was on the back porch. It's gotta be 11 o'clock at night and he's, he's just bawling. I mean, the, I can remember looking down between his knees on the floor and there's a big wet spot where he's crying. The tears are just, it's, they're falling like rain. And, and, and my little girl was uh, inside and I'm not even sure what she was doing up that late, but she came out and she was stirred and she's, she's watching and I'm talking to this kid who's just crying He's, he's sobbing he's, you know, to the point where he can carry, barely catches a breath. And, and she didn't know the big picture. She didn't know really what was going on, but she said, Jordan, can I, you know, out of, out of the blue, she said, Jordan, can I pray for you? And uh, she came over and put her little hand on his shoulder and she just gave this sweet little three-year-old prayer. But I thought, man, um, what three-year-old gets an opportunity or the courage to do something like that? And so, yeah, you guys are gonna see things and hear things that you're probably not gonna repeat, but you guys are, you guys are right there in the ministry with your parents, and it's powerful. And, and you're never gonna forget these days. You're, wherever you guys go from here, you're gonna remember uh, the ministry season that you guys had with your parents. Um, and it can shape your life. So I've, I'm proud of my kids. I've got a, a, a quick fish story to tell you. So most people, you know, when they say I've caught one this big or I caught one this big, it actually means, you know. So uh, uh, yeah, I, I, so this was eight weeks ago. Um, maybe not even, it was right around July 4th. Uh, so my adopted son, our adopted son, Anthony, on the far left, he... He graduated from high school, did really well, crossed that finish line. Grandma, her mom, says, hey, I wanna, I wanna let's do something fun for him. Uh, she goes, what, let's, where do you wanna go? What do you wanna do? And he goes, I, I want, and I'm thinking he wants to go to the beach. He says, I wanna catch a sturgeon. And I said, what? And he said, I wanna catch a sturgeon. I said, what's that? And he said, look it up. So we looked it up, we found an outfitter in Idaho, and we decided, okay, Grandma's paying for it. We're gonna do this. We, we booked a two-day fishing trip. We caught three of these monsters, by the way. It's the only fishing trip I went on where I could not catch a fourth fish. I was done. I was, we were all smoked. We were like, we're done. We're, you can take us home now. We'll go back to the beach uh, where our car's parked. And so uh, we were on the Snake River in Hell's Canyon. So you get, get all these pretty deep, 
ominous names uh, and you catch something ugly like that. But it was, it was so powerful because we, it, it took the whole family to get this fish in. Anthony said, you know, he's kind of like, hey, this is my trip. I'm gonna get it. I, 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 I. And after 10 minutes of being on the pole with this 300 pound monster that measured over nine feet, we took a tape measure to it. Um, I remember him turning over his shoulder and he said, I need some help. <laughs> I need some help. And, and, and so uh, my next son got in there and uh, he, he was on the pole for probably 10 minutes and then I got in there for 10. And so it took, Dawn got on the pole, everybody, Abby, Garrett, we all got on the pole, but it, it, and we just started this rotation and we finally wore this fish out and we finally got it to the shore and we got a quick picture of it because they're protected and they got to get them right back into the water. Um, don't let that blood fool you. He just, he had a, I mean, just a small little cut on his lip. But a, uh, you're not allowed to eat them. You're not allowed to keep them. You got to get them back in. And uh, the game warden was actually right there when that picture was taken. So they, uh, so I was going to introduce my lineup. So Anthony is on the left. Uh, that's my wife, Dawn. And my daughter, Abby, in the middle. Abby just graduated from WVU and she just got hired by the Las Vegas Police Department. Uh, so yeah, I'm like, whoa, she's going major league. So she gets hired by LVPD and she's gonna be on their crime scene unit. So um, CSI Vegas here, she, she, she wanted to be crime scene. She goes, I wanna go big time, dad. And I said, then do it. Just throw your application out, see what happens. Uh, then my son Garrett is going into the ninth grade. And then that's my grossly overdeveloped son on the right, who's also going into law enforcement. So we kind of have this blue bloods thing going. But my point is this, I, not only, we, we wanna launch our children well because we got them 18 years and I wanna launch these kids into their, and I wanna teach them how to love the Lord properly and what it means to have this relationship so they can do this properly. And when they get into re relationships with their future spouses and their friends and their coworkers, that this makes sense because they got this right. So... So far, so good. I pray over these kids every night. Uh, it's, the last thing that, it's, it's the last thing on my lips before my, I drift into la-la land. I'm praying just quietly on my, with my head on my pillow, just, Lord, protect these kids because the world's coming after them and it's coming after them hard. So... As you walk out of here today. Pray about being the family that steps into the messiness of others. Pray about being the family that gets the family situation nailed down. Um, get your home right. Pray over your children. Pray over your spouse. And, and, and dads, that's an easy thing to do. Uh, the, the sooner the better, you know? When they're little, hit your knees by their bed. Let them hear it. If they're not gonna pray, but let them hear it. Let them hear it at the dinner table. Let them see that those scriptures are open from time to time. In the morning, in the evening, uh, in the, in, at dinner time, go through the... Go through the book of John with them at dinner time. Just read a, read a section. It doesn't have to be a whole chapter. But like, I create some talking points around that, but just build your family foundation on the scriptures and then pray about what it's gonna look like to, to step outside of your home and step into the messiness of others and pray about what people group that it is. I mean, throughout the scriptures, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, man, the Bible's talking about taking care of the orphan, taking care of the widow, taking care of the least of these, taking care of uh, the Samaritan in the ditch. It's all around us. It's all around us and it's available every day. Don't be the family that passes up the, that Samaritan in the ditch. Be the family that knows when to hit the brakes and stop and get out and say, hey, how can I help? How can I help? Or what, what, what level should I engage in? Uh, it, it might be financially or it might be like, uh, Maylin and Kayla did, and they jumped in with both feet. And by the way, we are needing house parents. So 
We hit, we hit our mark last, uh, last year. So we've got a house ready. We've got boys waiting. You know, the harvest is ripe and we need, we need, um, we need somebody to step up. We're praying for that person. We're praying for that couple to be the right couple. So, you guys have a wonderful Sunday. I'm gonna turn things over to Pastor Luke. You wanna come up? Um, I wanna thank you guys before I hand the mic over to him. Like the mission team that hit this past, because we get, we get mission teams a lot. Uh, we're getting back into the swing of things. What I witnessed this past week when you guys were up there serving at the ranch, man, I, I, saw, I, I saw a church and a body that is uh, walking in step with one another. I saw a level of fellowship that I usually don't see within a congregation. Um, the food was flowing, the nails were flying, the paintbrushes were, like, like everything was hitting on all cylinders. And, and, and I noticed those things. It might, have seen, it might have seen commonplace for you, but what I saw was, was a church that is ready to make an impact and you guys are doing it. Uh, the, you guys were running chainsaws, dropping wood, uh, expanding a parking lot for our new chapel, um, uh, painting the inside of one of the boys' homes that we need house parents in and getting it ready for those children that are waiting. Um, you guys were uh, in, staining the outside of the woodworking shop. You guys were clearing a new home site. We got a new home coming in from uh, Middletown Homes and we're getting a, a little double wide brought in for a, a staff house. Um, you guys knocked it out of the park and I appreciate it. And, and it, I mean, a lot of the guys camped out there and just, I mean, they were, they were, they were, they were going 12 hour days from eight to eight. And uh, it was awesome. Oh, you guys finished the, uh, the, the garage too, that were the, we've got a little garage where we have to keep our snowplow truck because we live on 300 acres and we're in West Virginia and we got to keep things moving. So uh, you guys, it's important for these, all these little projects to get done because what it, what it trickles down to is those moments on the front porch with a house parent and they're able to say, hey, I know you, got, you acted up this evening or I know you said something you probably shouldn't have done but let's dive in a little bit deeper right now and, and, and find out what's going on in your heart. What's going on at home? Why did you act this way? And, this, and that's, where, <laughs> that's where Jesus comes into the conversation. So all those chainsaws and all those paint strokes and all that stuff is for those front porch moments where that's where, that's where, that's where the, 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 the rubber meets the road for our ministry and I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.